Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today we're going to bring you yet again another special episode and we are operating here in real time and being in the moment with what's happening today. And speaking of today, today we had a a pretty amazing event. Uh, It was called A State of Revolt and we had 14 incredibly powerful black leaders join us to share their perspective on how they were handling today's environment personally, how they were leading their teams, and what solutions we can all take to make a difference in the world. There's a lot in here. I warn you, it gets very honest, very raw, very emotional. I don't think there was a dry eye in the house at any moment in time. This is so important for everyone to listen to. And I really, really encourage you to not just listen, but also share. Share this with your teams. Share this with anyone who wants to understand what's truly happening right now and how to help. Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Danny Wright, and I am the Chief Brand Officer of Adweek. On behalf of the entire Adweek family, Let me first say that we hope you and yours are both healthy and safe. And to anyone that has been deeply impacted by either the virus or the social unrest or any factors of our current environment, please know that our hearts go out to you. Today you're going to hear from an amazing lineup of executives speaking about how they are navigating personally and professionally the current crisis that our country is facing yet again. We've all been brought together today and as a nation by a global pandemic, record-breaking unemployment, fear, pain, and now frustration, and in some cases, helplessness, brought on by the all too common attacks on African-Americans by those who were supposed to be here to protect us. I call out African-Americans, not only because obviously I too am one, but it's worth noting that we have been disproportionately impacted, not only by police aggression, but also by the pandemic, the unemployment, the wealth gap, the education gap, and the systemic racism that stems from this country's original sin, slavery. 
We're at an inflection point in our country's history. We've had industries disrupted, families' lives changed forever, and the conversation of race relations have come to a forefront at a time where we need patience and understanding more than ever, but also at a time where we need action, we need results, and we need change more than ever. People all over this country are reaching out and asking, well, what should I do? What should I say? What should I not say? And these are all questions that are appropriate and needed. We all struggle with knowing how to react to tragedy, and there is no one right way to act or respond. But you have to do something. What you'll hear today from these amazing individuals is how they are navigating these conversations with themselves, personal, with their families, and the companies and colleagues in which they support. I encourage you to listen. If you want to know what you should do, it's really listen. Listen to what's being said, and then ask yourself, how can you educate yourself to be better informed and participate in this dialogue? What takeaways can you do to help be a part of the movement, to help bring about changing the course of this country, to help eradicate the trappings of this human construct of race, and all of the systemic disparities that it has created amongst our society. How to help us heal. How to help us spread love and hope. That's what you can do today. That's what you can do right now. Before I turn it over to the panel, I wanna leave you with a James Baldwin quote. Hopefully you've been hearing a lot of James Baldwin this week. He's one of the most prolific and um, important voices uh, of our generation. And it goes, everything now we must assume is in our hands. We have no right to assume otherwise. If we do not falter in our duty now, we may be able, handful that we are, to end racial nightmare and achieve our country and change the history of the world. End quote. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to turn it over to the head of Global Employer Brand at JPM Chase, today's host, a really good friend, and an absolute force of nature. Please welcome Katrina Craigwell. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Danny, for that introduction and those words. Um, I hope everyone can hear me okay. So it, it's a great privilege to moderate this discussion today. And I wanna thank Adweek for consistently prioritizing diversity and inclusion for our industry. Um, we have a powerful and important conversation ahead of us. And so let's start with some introductions and get into it. Hi, Adrian. Hey, how's it going, Katrina? Good, how are you? I'm good, uh, good to be here. Thanks for having me. So if you don't mind just introducing yeah. yourself in the time. Yeah, uh, Adrian Parker. I'm the Global Vice President of Marketing for Patron Tequila, uh, husband to Alicia and uh, father of three kids under seven, seven and under. So uh, I need lots of tequila. <laughs> you have a full plate. Yes, slightly. Yeah. 
Hello, Daniel. Welcome. Please introduce yourself. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, Daniel Cherry, uh, Chief Marketing Officer for Activision Blizzard Esports, um, which is a division of Activision Blizzard King, um, based in Santa Monica. And I, too, am a father, two daughters, I'm a girl dad, um, 14 and 8. And uh, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Danielle? Hi, everyone. I'm Danielle Lee. I'm the Chief Fan Officer at the NBA. I'm also a mom of two. I have a 14-year-old daughter named Morgan and a 12-year-old son named Jackson. And I'm married to a beautiful, strong Black man named Mitch. 15 years. Thank you for being here. Jabari? Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Jabari Hearn. I am the Vice President of Brand for Lyft. I'm also a father of two. I think that's a trend here with this. <laughs> excited about. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a father of two mixed boys who look black. So I'm very, very happy to, uh, to be a part of this conversation. Thank you for being here. Julian, why don't you go now? Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Julian Duncan, feel free to call me JD. Uh, I'm a husband, father, uh, friend, big homie to some, uh, and uh, troublemaker to others. But uh, in my in my downtime, I'm the chief marketing officer for the Jacksonville Jaguars in the NFL, and it's uh, my honor to be here. Thank you. Alicia. Hi, I'm Alicia Greenwell. I'm co-managing director of Brand Citizens, a consultancy uh, that takes on social impact as its core and only responsibility. I'm also the founder of Black Joy Parade and a Black woman in 2020. Thank you. Justina. Hi everyone, I'm Justine Almakwa. I'm the SVP of Brand Marketing at Endeavor. I am a strong black woman, I'm a sister, I'm a cousin, I'm a godmother, and I'm happy to be here. Thank you for being here. Lincoln. Hi, good morning. Uh, my name is Lincoln Stevens. First and foremost, I am the son of one of the strongest black women that I know. I am the son of one of the most amazingly talented entrepreneurs and fathers that I know. I am the father of one of the sweetest little 40-year-old boys that you will ever know and co-founder of the Marcus Graham Project on my, in, in my daytime. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. Victoria, do you want to go next? Thank you. I am Victoria Russell. I am the Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for Papa John's. I've been with the brand for 14 years along this journey. I'm an unapologetically passionate black woman and I'm excited to join this conversation today. Thank you for being here. Hi, Monique. Hi, Katrina. Thanks for having me. Welcome everyone. My name is Monique Nelson. I'm the chair and CEO of Uniworld Group, UWG, longest standing multicultural marketing and consultancy in the US. I am the proud mother of two amazing black boys, six and four, and um, married to an amazing frontline worker. Um, and I'm super proud to be here and excited for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Rodney. I'm Rodney Williams, and I'm honored to be a part of this panel, a great group. Uh, so thank you, and thank you to Adweek. Uh, I am uh, the global president and CEO of Belvedere Vodka, 
which is a unit of uh, LVMH. And I am the father of one son and a God willing, a second son this August 26. And, uh, and the husband of a very proud black woman who is a clinical psychologist and I could not be more grateful for her expertise in these times. Good to have you and congratulations. And Tiffany. Hi, Hi everyone. Um, Tiffany R. Warren, uh, SVP Chief Diversity Officer for Omnicom Group, uh, founder and president of AdColor, the oldest of 10. I have eight brothers um, and I have one amazing godson. I'm a proud aunt, proud sister, proud daughter. Um, and I must say that this conversation is much needed. I wake up every day, as I say, with nine chances to get my heart broken. Um, and so I look forward to the conversations that we're gonna have today. Um, so thank you for having me. Thank you, Tiffany. Okay, so let's jump into our first question, uh, which is more of a, a check-in to say, how are you doing? How are you personally navigating these times? And Tiffany, maybe we'll start with you. Oh my goodness. Is it because I'm the, the last <laughs> introduced myself? I can choose someone else. No pressure, no pressure. I talked on the last summit. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, give this over to Lincoln because I had uh, talked to him earlier about, you know, before we start grounding us in, grounding us in prayer. Okay. Yeah, thank you, Tiffany. I think first, let's take a moment to just breathe. I know the weight that's on all of our shoulders, but we know the God that is sustaining us through this time. We know the God that uh, has told us that no weapon formed against us shall has ever been able to prosper. No tongue that has risen up against us uh, has prospered and all of those tongues will cease. I'm thankful for all of you for your strength. I'm thankful for God keeping you, your parents, your children at, uh, at this time. I'm thankful to God that he has given us a platform a platform to speak. There are so many people that we all represent. So I'm also thankful for all of their lives, for the, for the challenges that they face that are actually good for us. It was good for us that we are afflicted so that we might know thy statutes is what the word says. So I'm just thankful. Um, and I ask that throughout this conversation that, um, that we all speak truth. We speak honest, speak from our hearts, um, speak unashamedly because uh, we are in a time where, where there's honestly spiritual warfare going on, and we need to uh, loosen hearts. We need to let love heal, let love provide comfort, um, because this is not a time where we can have calm conversations. So I'm asking God to give us calm throughout our frustrations. I'm asking God to give us peace throughout our daily journeys and strength to keep moving forward because it is the only thing that we can trust on, the only thing that we can rely on. So thank you, God, and amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> That'll preach. <laughs> I'll uh, go if you. Thank you. I'll go. Um, one of the things that you know I've been doing to cope, first and foremost, is making sure that every day I am taking a moment to center. Um, I always used to do something in the morning. I used to call what I call my daily design. 
Um, but that daily design has now come with a moment of calm um, and a moment of emotion. Um, I've cried most mornings when I wake up because the first thing I see are my babies and they are the personification of what I want to make sure we don't have to deal with yeah. later. So I wake up for them. I live for them. I want to make sure that we don't do this to them. So having candid conversations with myself, making sure that I'm grounded, having that moment of release, whether that be a tear or, or otherwise, making sure that I'm walking and I'm getting it out. And then I am armed and ready to attack the day because this is what we do every day, but it doesn't mean we can do it every day without self-care. So my first uh, advice to everyone, especially our black, our black community, is take care of yourself. Our health is ultimately our wealth and we must start there. Thank you, Monique. I'd like to build on that. Um, I definitely have a strong self-care practice and have found myself looking for even more moments to meditate and pray. Um, definitely exercise. I think that helps to release some of the stress that we're all under. Um, and I don't, I want to un underscore the importance of that because if we're not whole, we can't be effective leaders, right? Um, so it really does start with that inner work. Um, but I also have found myself leaning on my community, um, far more now than I ever have. And I'm so thankful to have a really vibrant community of, uh, my mother's group, Jack and Jill. Um, I have a great chapter. My daughter, as I mentioned earlier, she's graduating and they, we do a rites of passage ceremony for eighth graders. And so pouring into those young minds as they're experiencing all of this with us and letting them know that they are descendants of royalty and letting them know that they're worthy. Um, that has been a really important um, time for me to just lean into that community. And then I would say my professional community. Um, I've had moments of breakdown um, in between meetings and calling on my, my friends, many of whom are represented here for strength um, and helping me understand that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be doing the work that I'm supposed to do. Amen. If I may, Katrina? Please. Hi all. Brothers and sisters, this is amazing. I'm so happy to see you. Tiffany, I just called you yesterday. So, <laughs> um, and, and obviously Jabari and all of us meet on Mondays and we don't have a text thread. So I, uh, I thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart to be here. Um, I know we have folks listening, but I wanna make sure that the folks that are listening know that you're not alone either. Um, the folks on these uh, Zoom calls are just like you. We're just as vulnerable, we're just as hurt, just as enraged, just as confused, sad, um, and are coping as well. So while we, provide as much as we can from our own insights. The reality is that we're all going through this together and there's no kind of perfect way. Um, and I saw that Instagram post from Viola Davis that was amazing, which is that we're all on our own path um, and there's no perfect way to kind of progress and there's no kind of sanctified answer that someone gets it better. And I would love for us to just recognize and take a moment to realize that there's no kind of race to the best PR statement that's gonna solve this. And there's no cultural band-aid that a brand or a business can do. We are the change we need to see in the world. And I love the fact that we're talking about self-care. My grandmother once told me a favor is not a favor if it hurts you. 
And I thought about that during this time because a lot of folk that don't look like us are asking for favors. They're asking for cultural, emotional support to get through this time because it candidly took a pandemic to get them to pause, to realize that folks are getting killed in their backyards. I do not think that without COVID-19, unfortunately, George Floyd's murder would have been as seen or as heard as viscerally as it is now. So it literally took a world-changing pandemic for America to realize that racism persists. And I wanna make sure that we understand that. I'm glad that we have this moment, but this moment will not last forever. We're one hurricane away or one news cycle story away from something else taking the right lens off this issue. And I think it's up to us to realize that we have to help each other and starts with helping ourselves. Um, and as much as I love my colleagues and have a professional mission um, to be a kind of change agent in culture, I am not a professor of African-American history, um, nor I'm a clinical psychologist. And I'm not here to do the work that a lot of folks need to do themselves. Um, I can point you in the right direction, but I wanna make sure that we all recognize that this is not about us, meaning this is not our fight alone. This is a human rights issue. And all human beings have the exact same priority if they believe in love um, to do the work, not just the darker the shade, the more the work. That is not a policy that I subscribe to. And I don't want people to believe that that's what they need to subscribe to either. And I appreciate this, this community. Um, and I think self-care is really important. And again, a favor is not a favor if it hurts you. So take a moment, hug yourself first. If I may add on to what um, uh, Dana said is that uh, I think it's important that we recognize where we are right now. We are, what we are experiencing today is a reckoning and there will be no turning back. Um, there is no precedent for what is happening right now. There's nothing that we can point to and say, oh, I remember that day, I know how to navigate this. None of us do. Um, and so I think what, what we are experiencing are ebbs and flows of emotion. These turbulent times have been turbulent times for most of us our ent entire lives. It's not a new thing. I mean, we thank God for smartphones. Um, what we have today is a heightened sense of awareness. And, and, and that's wonderful. But I think to Dan's point, where you have an onslaught of people asking you questions that seem to many of us obvious, um, that is very much a challenge. We talk about George Floyd's murder. We should also acknowledge Amy Cooper because oftentimes, we try to tell our story over and over and over again, and it's met with a lack of understanding. And the reality is, is that Amy, Amy Cooper works at a lot of our workplaces. We have to encounter that every day, whether it's at the store or at the park or in the office. And we finally have something that we can point to and say that that happens every single day. Um, you know, and so I say welcome to the others that are, 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 have heightened awareness and are starting to recognize what we're feeling. There's a lot of work to do. So I want everybody to roll up their sleeves and dig in because we've been doing this work. We've been doing this work every single day just to exist as black people. Yeah. Amen. Um, thank, Justina, thank you for that. I think you hit on such a core topic. I think, you know, we're hurt, but we're hopeful, right? I, I think most of us are not okay. I, I do tears and, and things like that. But I think we know this is an opportunity for our community, for our families and our country. You know, I, I think about my own journey, right? I'm the descendant of um, enslaved African-Americans who were in, you know, Fort Sumter, South Carolina. My, grand, my granddad was a sharecropper that became a 
a agricultural scientist. My dad was one of the first black engineers to graduate from Texas Tech. I'm strong. Like our legacy is is um, jumping hurdles, I think. But I think along the way, we've gotten so good at jumping the hurdles and making a way and assimilating that we never look back to say, well, what hurdles should I have never have had to jump? What fight should I have never have had to face? And I think um, as I reflect on that, that's why we're so passionate because I, I think, you know, it's not because of a lack of information or awareness that our country has been silent. It's a lack of compassion and, and caring. You know, I reflect on, I grew up 20 miles from where I'm at now. Right now I'm in um, like Dallas, Texas area. I grew up 20 miles in a uh, zip code 76104. Uh, it's the south side of Fort Worth, Texas. Has the lowest uh, life expectancy in the entire state. People who grew up uh, next to me live 14 years shorter than people who live in South Lake, Texas, where my office is now. Um, yeah, it's healthcare, it's, it's education, it's food, it's political, it's social, it's individual, it's communal, but it's all related to my skin color, right? And I think in any society where you've got um, that kind of disparity, that should bug the hell out of you. And I think uh, for us, um, you know, I wanna fight for diversity, right? I wanna fight to have board members that look like me and black CEOs that look like me and Rodney, I know we're competitors, but I've been a fan of yours for years, JD, Jabari, all these, you know, all these women on here. I'm big fans of all these, all these people. I want to see their faces replicated, but at the end of the day, we're still fighting for our lives. Like I've got a black son. And so I think for us, the, even though we're hurting, even though, you know, we, we, we cry, I think what, powers me is I refuse to pass it on to my kids. I, I can't do it. So if I can fight for their future, it's all worth it. So yeah, we're, um, it's, it's tough. Had a call with our, our Bacardi Limited and Patron African-American employees uh, before this call. And it, it, was, it was a tough call, but I think we're all um, ignited and inspired by a, hopefully a unity that, um, that reflects itself long after this headline has moved on. And I think these conversations are gonna be so critical. So yeah, thank you all for, for this opportunity. Yeah. I can jump in, uh, Victoria, I'm sorry, Victoria. I just, you know, I think we're tired. Uh, I think many of the people who have this job or do this work are lonely. We are carrying heavy burdens. And there is always the uh, challenge of caring how you feel personally and also wearing the hats that you wear at your companies. Mm -hmm. And how do you balance that and that double consciousness of the roles you have to play? And this particular um, time for us, I think has shown, at least for me, you know, when do you put down the other mask that you wear and be truthful and transparent and honest? Um, when I stepped into this role, one of my mentors told me, you cannot have this job if you are afraid to lose it. And those words I have taken with me along this journey, but in the time of being fatigued now, you know, some of us have been the canary in the mine for a long time. And it's time, you know, for the, the choir to start singing. You know, some of us are tired of the solo. And at some point we're ready for the whole church to start singing, right? So that we can have a moment. And so, you know, for me in this challenging time, having those safe spaces to, rest, rejuvenate, take care of yourself. Uh, I am blessed to have what I call my village of people who have been there along this entire journey to lean back to, to cry with, um, to share with, and then come back into the fight. You know, I, I hear people say they're scared. 
they fear retaliation, all these things that we, we were fearful of. But for some of us, that's the job. That's what you signed up for. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I hate to make this comparison, but, you know, the tear gas and or rubber bullets are physical in these corporate spaces. They're, they're more mental, right? And so, you know, are you prepared to endure it? And I think along this journey, you know, this is applicable to everybody, regardless of your skin tone. We are all in this together if this is going to be successful. And we're seeing that play out in the country now when we look visually at who is in this journey with us. And I think that is everybody's responsibility. Um, a, a dear friend of mine, Hannah Drake, uh, is a poet and an activist and a leader uh, in the community right here in Louisville, Kentucky. And she talked about when people have asked all of us, you know, what can they do, whether they are black, brown, white, et cetera. And she talks about the levels of what you can do to participate in this peaceful protest. Everyone is not built for that front line right out there in the community. But when we stop and pause in the roles and privilege that even the black people on this call have in their organizations, what are you, how are you spending that privilege? Are you speaking up? Are you agitating and disrupting and creating real change? Are you there to help educate along the way? You know, I, I empower everyone to first educate yourself. Uh, other roles you can play is to educate right in your own family, with your friends, in your community, and of course, you know, in the companies that we work in. And I think first, before, you know, a lot of people are quick to jump to the action, you first have to listen. Because, you know, if you don't identify with this community, you cannot have empathy for what you don't have proximity to. And so something we have started is conversations. You need to talk to people first. You have to acknowledge what's going on. You have to make commitments and then you take action. And so I think, you know, there's a journey to that and, and everyone's at a different place on that journey, but at least we're in this together. Thank you. Um, so I'm just going to throw out a number. Um, so 22 years. Um, I've received a text message every six minutes with people discovering um, that I actually exist. They're understanding my work for the first time. Um, how can I help? Um, you know, what do you need? Uh, and, and my response has been, I need you to have the same energy a week from now, a month from now, and a year from now. Everyone's rushing this week to understand um, what it means to be black, not only in corporate America, but in America. And if I ask you three months from now for the same energy that you had this week, to me, that makes all the difference. I know that many of you on this call who are listening, who signed on, who registered, um, are not only looking for answers, um, but what I'm here today to talk about is just uh, the pure pain and the duality that exists in my role. I've spent the better part of the week consoling, hearing, giving space um, to others who do the job that I do. Um, and forgive me if I get emotional. It's not very easy to have this role when your employees are hurting, when your friends are hurting, when your family's hurting, when you hear the sadness in your brother's voices that they're scared to go outside. Um, it is, is, it is really interesting when I see memes go around that say, I want to throw 2020 away, but I'm grateful for 2020. 20, 2020 to me is having perfect, perfect vision. And so much has been unveiled to me this week. Um, you know, that one virus created the, the space to unveil another virus. And that's the virus of racism. 
that budgets, that initiatives were snatched. They're on life support. Only three months ago, it was swift to only be given back their money and their budgets because of another virus, which is racism. What's the difference between now and three months ago? And so what I ask is those that are listening, that are in the seats of power, that have the ability to write checks, um, because a lot of the changes that have to come take protesting, take um, all the strength of each of us on this call, but it also takes people who are in seats of power who have access to money um, to donate to the organizations that are on the ground, but also to give back to your own industry. I don't wanna sit here five years from now and have conversations with people who say, you know, Tiff, I don't know what happened. Where's all the talent? We can't find them. And you let during this time, those organizations that do all the work for you, they find the talent, they, they nurture them, they vet them. Marcus Graham, uh, 4A's MATE program, Most Promising. All of these programs collectively have been around for a hundred or more years. And, they're, and they have to beg for support. That is, that is to me unfathomable. So when you search for the national organizations to support, look within our own industries and hold up those organizations that need your, need your support right now. You know, Lincoln should have like a hundred or more Marcus Graham interns this summer. MAPE should have 300 of them. The four, you know, th this is the kind of thing that stirs me because I feel that we have the power to make the change right now. Um, and so what I, you know, I was on a call the other day and it ended with uh, Sharika Nelson, who is a powerful CDO, works for MailChimp. And she simply said, prove me wrong. I want, I want to be proved wrong. I want to know that, you know, all the text messages and emails of support um, are just as meaningful a year from now, are just as meaningful a week from now, as someone so eloquently said, when the new cycle changes. Um, so, you know, the self-care that I do is simply, I'm in North Carolina right now with my family. Um, and I spend a lot of time, in mo and some of you know my niece, um, I spend a lot of time pouring into her. And she's really unaware of what's going on. Um, but to be present and see in her eyes the innocence and the joy and be sad because I know and I hope not that, that someday that'll be taken away. I think it's all of our responsibilities to make sure that black little girls and black little boys can maintain that innocence and joy and grow up in a country that sees them as human and not as prey. Thank you. I just wanna quickly mention that Alicia uh, is still with us as well and she'll be back on screen shortly. Um, but to, to continue on uh, what Tiffany has shared, I also wanna ask Rodney, Javari, Julian, um, if, if you have uh, some comments to share. And, and also um, for the group, you know, our, our next kind of area to cover is how are, how are we leading our teams through this time? Um, so I'll, I'll pass it over to you. Katrina, in advance of that, I just wanna recognize that today is Brianna Taylor's, what yeah. would have been the 27th birthday and uh, her murderers are still at large. And so I think it would be remiss if we didn't use this platform to acknowledge that that has happened. Thank you. Well said, well said. Um, I just wanted to share um, what we've been trying to grapple with. Before I do that, I, I do wanna say in listening to the panelists, 
it is so gratifying to hear people talk about self-care. Uh, my, my wife wrote her dissertation on <clears throat> the iconography around strong black women and how and mo and modalities of actually modulating stress and how we sometimes let these myths get in the way of accessing the support and sense of community that we need also to, to rejuvenate and, and rebuild ourselves up. So I, I think that point is really important. One of the things we did on Monday uh, at our office was we had a town hall of all 300 some employees um, who work across all of the businesses uh, at, at Moet Hennessy. And um, we really didn't know how this was gonna go. We had, we had a facilitator, brother did a brilliant job, but um, there were a couple of things that came out of it. One was that, um, was fascinating. On their own, the, our, our, our Latinx colleagues chose to step back and let the African-American colleagues really speak about what we were experiencing. And, um, and, 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 and people did come away with a sense that we're not responsible for everyone's education. We'll burn ourselves out trying to do that. But at the same time, we have to create vehicles where there is a greater understanding building on what has happened in this country of how we got here. You know, we just got finished celebrating Memorial Day. The, the history, you know, validated by a Pulitzer Prize winning historian of Memorial Day is that is a holiday created May 1st, 1865 by Black Americans in Charleston, South Carolina, to acknowledge the sacrifices that Black people made in terms of liberating this country against rebellion. Um, and then it was co-opted into something that wrote us out of the story. And I think what has happened now is that it is visible, it is visible that institutionalized racism still exists in this country. I had a, 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 a European colleague who, who said it wasn't until he actually worked here that he learned two things about the United States that people outside of the country don't understand. <clears throat> One is that the Civil War is not over. It never really ended. And the second is this myth of all of the races um, getting along is, is, is really just been that. And so what we're trying to do now in terms of next steps is create ways in which people can gain more fluency using uh, forums, using education, using speakers who speak on, on the history so that they actually understand how we got to where we are. And, and, and to the point that Tiff just made, we're, you know, in addition to supporting NAACP, Legal Defense Fund, Urban League, we're also really interested in supporting color, color a change of color, a uh, change for color. We're also interested in supporting race forward, organizations that are dealing from a policy standpoint uh, that's, you know, that will really drive change. It cannot be that a police person can take a black life with 
immunity. That cannot be. And there, there are policy ways to begin to remedy, remedy this. So we're, we're really interested in, in harnessing resources to address that. Thank you. Thank you, Rodney. I can jump in. I think um, first, I'm so inspired by this panel. Um, you guys are everything. So thank you, first and foremost. Um, I, I personally, you know, I have a personal mission and that mission is to be the change and inspire it in others. And what that allows me to do is start with me. And what I did is looked in the mirror because when I looked at George Floyd's face, I saw my face. I saw Julian Duncan's face. Literally, I saw my face. Looks exactly like me, bald head, black man, bigger. Uh, and I asked myself, like, am I doing everything that I can do first, first and foremost? And when I, when I looked myself in the eye, I, I said, for sure, I'm not doing everything that I can do first. And I have to clear the pink flamingos out of my yard before I can ask somebody else to sort of clean up their yard, right? And so first thing I did was just jump into action because I stole the principle from Musa Tariq, shout out to Musa, who said, uh, show up and jump into action. And so that's why, you know, Julian Duncan and I just started this, this uh, Monday Night Mentor thing because we just wanted to open ourselves up. And that's the principle I've been sort of starting with is open up. Because I think there's a chain reaction when you have this, this principle of opening. Because I believe that what, what people are doing now is opening their eyes. And I think if you're opening your eyes, that starts to lead to a sense of understanding. And from there, you can open your hearts, which then I think leads to a sense of empathy. And then I believe you can open a dialogue, which then creates conversation. And then I believe that opens the door for change, which is all about action. And so that's where I've been really, really focused. What am I doing? And if I'm doing everything I can with every hour that I have, with every opportunity that I have, with every hire that I have, with every dollar that I have to hire an agency, that's where I have to go. Yes, sir. So I'm gonna quote the great Marley Marl here. Next up, I believe that's me, JD, get on the mic for the symphony. Hey, listen, hey. I, <laughs> I cannot express how excited I am uh, to be a part of this conversation. Um, the one thing, so we've been talking about navigating these times and we've, we've heard everything from self-care to mentorship, to doubling down on your family, to taking action. And the one thing that I just wanna uh, throw out there just as, a, as an anchor leg in this conversation is um, make sure that you stay motivated, you stay sharp, and you do that by surrounding yourself with warriors, all right? Surround yourself with warriors, whether they're corporate and leadership warriors like this group right here. So I, I'll give you a very real example. When Lincoln Stephens hit us up earlier this week, we were coming out of a really heavy conversation with one of our brothers. And when Lincoln said, hey, it's time to go, Friday, that was a jolt of like lightning to all of us. Like that was a warrior moment where Lincoln said, he, he put the call out there and it, it, it motivated us and it gave us new life and new energy. So you surround yourself with corporate and leadership warriors. So surround yourself with prayer warriors. I got mama on the speed dial right now. She and I had a prayer session a couple of days ago and it fired me up. Like, and that's being real. And then like surround yourself with, 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 with warriors even within your own within your own personal circles and your corporate circles because the thing that'll happen is as you pour out right as we talked about like we're pouring out 
you got to also position yourself to be poured into. And those warriors will pour into you. And, and by doing that, you'll be able to sustain the energy and keep that same energy, like Tiffany said, that we need to see this thing all the way through. Thank you, Julian. I want to pass the mic one more time to Danielle. Danielle, I know you've got to head out soon to celebrate your daughter's graduation. So congratulations on that. Anything you want to share about how you're leading your team at this time? Absolutely. First and foremost, it's um, leading by example and um, really kind of communicating where my head is at with all of this. It took me a few days to get there, um, as this is a very personal and emotional issue for me. Um, but I disclosed that and I really talked about the turning point that I personally experienced and how I was able to channel my fear, my anger, my frustration, my rage um, into creativity and self-reflection and really putting that call to action out to my team to do the same. Um, we are in the midst of a lot of an important work and this, this, this series of events just gives it even more meaning. Um, and we have a tremendous platform and I, I feel a great responsibility to use my voice and my, um, my position of, of power and influence to affect change. So um, sharing that I think was really inspirational and it was, it was very honest. And I think my team really appreciated that. I'm, I'm newly in my role, I'm only two months in, right? So I joined during a pandemic, they're still getting to know me, I'm still getting to know them. But I think um, even just sharing how this, um, the, the murder of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor, how that has impacted me personally, I think um, that, that gave them a sense of who I am, um, my values and, and what I care about. Um, we also hosted a, a community conversation internally um, and we invited Van Jones to be a part of that. And I think the, the insights and perspective that he shared was really, um, was really powerful. And our Black Employee Resource Group organized that session. It's a really um, powerful uh, group of, of leaders um, that put that together. And um, it started a dialogue and, and to a lot of the points that were raised here, um, do the work, right? Do the work for yourself. Um, don't, don't come to me asking me to give you the history lesson on race in America. Um, you know, watch a documentary, read some books, listen to some podcasts and then come and let's have a conversation. I, I really appreciated that sentiment. Um, and, uh, and also thinking about what, what are the things that we can do within our corporate circles to affect change? Um, you know, the, Victoria, I really appreciated your sentiments about, you know, the subtle and, and the microaggressions and the, the, th the things that the, the knee on our neck in, in corporate America, right? Um, the, the fact that we are standing here as, as leaders, it's like, oh, how did you do that, right? Like, how did you get to that senior level because it's understood. It's understood that these opportunities for advancement largely elude us. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, just to, I'm sort of rambling now, but I think just to put a fine point on it, um, there's work that we could be doing on ourselves and in, in our corporate circles and, and places of business um, to really start to dismantle 
on the systemic racism, racism that we all have, have lived with. Thank you, Danielle. And thank you for being here with us today. Thank you. Nice know you all. Bye-bye. I know we'll welcome Alicia back on uh, momentarily to join us to continue to co continue the discussion. So thanks. Uh, Monique, maybe I'll pass it to you next to talk about your team. So, you know, my team um, is hurt. They were extremely uh, hurt and we conducted several safe rooms where they could emote and be vulnerable and have the candid conversation um, and certainly being a, a multicultural agency has always been a bit of a challenge. Um, there's always like you're up or you're down or total market comes and takes you out. And there's all sorts of, you know, microaggressions even within our industry that need a lot of work. Um, you know, to Tiffany's point, I never have a problem finding people. Um, so it's always interesting when we become the de facto, you know, talent recruitment um, part of the, the fold. I think there's just lots that we need to be honest about. Um, and one of the things that, you know, my team is very fired up about right now is how do we get our fair share? How do we take this moment um, and put this as a priority? Um, have budget deference, have, you know, a real conversation about what our communities mean um, to the organizations that we work with. And uh, the good part is, I think we can have those conversations, right? The first step is um, acknowledgement, right? In any, in any program is acknowledge the problem, understand what the blind spot is, quantify what that is, and then ultimately monetize that. We've got several fronts to work on, and we've got to bring a whole community along for this to work. And um, I think our team is, you know, we're, we're working through it. We're working with our broader partners. Um, I've made myself available, you know, I'm tired, but I, I absolutely know that, you know, without the effort um, to everyone's point here, we don't want this moment to pass, right? We need to make sure that we are putting this stake in the ground now, that we are going to hold people accountable, that we are going to put consequences in place for not doing so, and we must double down on that. And we know we only treasure what we measure. And that has to now become a measurement at the highest levels for people to not just buy into, but action. So that's where we are now. Um, we hope to be there. Uh, Tiff, everyone on this panel, we're, we're, we're here to work together. And I think as we row this boat together, things will happen. Thank you. Um, I want to take us to our next question, um, which is a bit of a two-parter. Um, you know, the, the first part of it is, what can everyone do to accelerate systemic change? And the second part, which we've already talked a little bit about, um, but what can we say to white colleagues and allies who are trying to help? We've talked about the importance of doing the work first. Um, anything else that, that, that we can say or, or give direction on? I love to speak on that, actually, because there's, there's been debate around, you know, um, is it our responsibility to educate white folks um, to step up? And I, and I do believe that everybody has to go their own path, <clears throat> but I also believe that God put me here for a reason. Uh, when I started in the ad agency, I was the only black person. So if it wasn't my job to step up and speak up, I honestly don't know whose job it would be. And so 
I really believe, and I was talking to my, my, my buddies on this call about this, that we are here for a reason. We have been working, 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 creating relationships, um, you know, getting ground on this issue. And I believe that for me personally, it, it is my job to be there for people and to open up. And I also asked a lot of my white friends that I, to, that I am a safe space for you to ask dumb questions. Because there are a lot of questions out there that people have that they may seem dumb in their minds, but are actually good questions. I had somebody ask me the other day, they said, look, and that's because they had a relationship with me, by the way, first. It wasn't just a random person on the street, but they said, I have, I have a question that I've always wondered about. And I said, please ask it. I don't care how dumb it is. And they asked me, they said, hey, in the summertime, you know, you get dark from your tan will you continue just to get, keep getting darker? And I was like, wow, I never thought of that. That is a really good question. And I had to explain to him that, no, I get tan just like you. And in the winter, I get pale and lose my tan just like you. And that was a learning and growing moment for both of us that one, I didn't know that there was these types of questions out there. And two, he got this question answered. That was a really deep burning question for him. And he wasn't trying to be a racist. He wasn't trying to be silly and funny. It was a real question. And so I think we have to open up, and when I, again, back to opening up our hearts and our minds, allow people to ask the dumb questions so we can break down these silly barriers. And so they don't have to worry about, am I gonna get mad? Am I, I'm gonna call you a racist if you ask me a question in, in a sense of uh, understanding and growing. And so I do wanna be there for anyone um, who wants to grow and learn and ask the dumb question. Thank if I could you. jump in here, um, just on Jabari, I think too, I feel, Everyone on this call, we've been here. We've been doing this work and we're still here for a reason. And that puts us in a very special place. And, and it isn't our responsibility. I think it's our opportunity to be that bridge. I will say, you know, I was, as, as Lincoln knows, as my dear friend, I was one of the first people to call out my white friends. Like, y'all need to draw the line. Like, you know, there's no gray area here, but I'm here to help you figure that out. And I'm here to help you navigate that. Um, because this journey I've been on my whole life and the work that we do, we all do has put me here. And again, it's an opportunity. And I, all I think I personally ask is for people to start taking stock, to start thinking and putting the passion and investment they do in anything they're passionate about their life. You want to buy a new house. You want to get a new job. You want to learn to ski. You know, all these things that you pour your heart in, you Google search, you go down the rabbit hole. I need you to do the same thing for this system, this system. I need you to take that same time, put that same energy into it. I need you to invest in it and you'll find your way. You'll find your way. You'll come back with, it'll open so many questions for you, but you will find your way. You will figure out the way that you can help and the way that you can get involved that is unique to you. And that's important. There's no one size fits all um, way to be an activist in this. I think something I, I Tiffany said about uh, the fatigue that we're having right now, but where's the opportunity in it? I think now, you know, based on all the being the shoulder for so many in your organizations right now and outside, quite frankly, mm -hmm. you know, I think now is an opportunity to give grace. And I say that because, you know, many of us have and many have asked, you know, why now? Why do organizations want to do it now? Why do, you know, people want to do the right thing now? You know, is it because of, of you know, your backyard is literally on fire? Why now? But I think honestly, and, and I feel the same way sometimes, but if not now, when, right? So we're tired, but now's the opportunity and beyond the responsibility. And I completely agree with that, you know, and you have to ask the tough questions and be bold now 
in your, in your places of privilege that you have in these organizations, because it is important to let people know you cannot protect and dismantle the same system. And so I think there's a lot of tough conversations going on and natural defensiveness around, oh, we didn't do this, or oh, we didn't. And I assume positive intention uh, most of the time, but it's time to have those tough conversations. Yeah. And, and everyone look in the mirror and say, what can we do differently? And it's time to really listen, because as, as many here have stated, uh, some of us have been saying a lot of this for a very long time. You know, and at this point, you're either going to do something or you're not. I don't think there's any more middle ground or gray area or opportunities to stay out of things. Um, you know, we're no longer hearing the words of enemies, but the silence of our friends, as Dr. King said. So I think it's important now that you you say something, that everyone has an opportunity to speak up, say something, do something, use your voice. I mean, that's the encouragement I've given to all my friends, all my colleagues, uh, all over the organization, within my own community, within my own city, that is hurting. Um, but, you know, people, it is beautiful to see people starting to really come together um, and really trying to push for real change. And, you know, many of us on this call, I'm sure you're experiencing, you're getting the calls from in your organization, outside your organization, all levels of your community, you know, hey, can you help? Hey, can you be a part of this? So again, instead of saying, oh, now you want me or why now? Do sure. You want, now you're listening and I have a lot to say. Thanks, Victoria. Dan, over to you. Thanks, I appreciate that, Victoria. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. Like we're here for a moment. Um, we're not here by accident or coincidence. Um, and it is responsibility. I think I literally told some brothers on the call we had the other day, you know, I studied Franz Fanon a lot, right? The kind of philosopher and activist. And one of the things that he said is to speak, right? To actually have the ability to speak, a platform is to bear the responsibility for a civilization. And that's honestly why I got into media and advertising and marketing. Because I believe that if we can get in those rooms, that is half the battle. The question is, what do you do when you get there? Um, and we can't take this for granted. Um, and it's really important that we do create those safe spaces. And, you know, we talked about this in the chat and earlier conversations, but to listen is advocacy, right? To listen is activism. Um, and you asked the question, Katrina, what we're doing. Um, we all have various different industries. And I think there's an opportunity to create diversity and inclusion in those industries. And I talked about economic justice as well, because we're in corporate America. That corporate means dollars and cents. Um, and those dollars and cents can be directed toward certain places. So there's social justice, but there's no social justice, in my opinion, without kind of economic support for those doing the work and for those having the opportunity to be able to be in the rooms that we're currently in. And if we don't do our jobs getting more folks in those rooms, then we failed. Um, and it starts with, I think you mentioned it, Jabari, just being a, a compassionate leader. And you asked what I did, Katrina, I was actually the most vulnerable I've ever been in an organization. Um, breaking down walls, because once I become vulnerable, then I think it creates the space that where I mentioned to ask the question. <clears throat> race is just like any other subject matter if you never learned. You could be 20 years old and not know what eight times nine is because you never did multiplication. No one's ever learned how to deal with race in this country. So therefore they're not equipped with the answers. They don't know the equation. And so there are adults that are fully formed but they have no idea about race, racism and injustice because they were never taught. It was ignored. And so that, right, cultural ignorance is what we're facing as adults. And it is an awakening because someone just learned math today. Someone learned that, right, an equation today. And you know what, let's not, disparage them for learning how to do multiplication. Let's actually teach them calculus. <laughs> Let's continue to progress. And that to me is how I'm using this moment. 
um, with my organization. I mean, I was so proud of the team that we had. We had an all hands the other day in our organization and a young woman on the team built a hashtag, um, Activision Blizzard, Black Lives Matter, and just started saying, hey, DC, can you help me? I need to get information. I need to get this to the people as fast. And she's a project manager. So in her own way, she just managed the project. They don't know, I'm going to help using her skill sets. Beautiful, beautiful story. And she was open enough. And when Tia Jabari, she was comfortable enough to ask that question and to build those stories. You obviously know we're in the video game industry, which is why I want to talk to Lincoln and Tiffany. I want to get more people of color in developing the games and behind stories that these games are about. We also have Call of Duty. And let's be honest, there's a lot of toxicity and right, a bit of racism in that world as well. But I'm very proud of our developers, uh, Infinity War in particular, who pretty much opened, if you play video games like I do, and you wait for the loading screen before the game plays, they put a Black Lives mes message there, right? A Black Lives Matter message there. They use that media to tell a story. Now, a lot of folks can turn the game off and not want to play, but guess what? They're going to play Call of Duty. That's the platform we have. They're going to sit through that because they want the passion that Monique said, right? Treasure, you know, you measure what you treasure. Like, they want to play that game. They're going to listen and at least be confronted with the story. So we want to do more of that. Um, and that was written by a brother, right? A brother who's on the team wrote that, checked with it, and it went up. And we're also doing something that is, again, in our own way, you can put dollars behind a lot of initiatives that Rodney said as well, but in our own way, we know that these issues exist in our industry. And so one of the other things that we're doing is we're quote unquote increasing um, the punitive kind of penalties of racist, toxic, misogynist conversation in the right gaming space. Right? It's a right that you have to play this game. But yes, you can pay for it, but you can get that white right revoked by being you know, a racist, misogynist, right, idiot. Um, and I'm proud of the organization for saying, look, we have this bar, let's raise it because the stakes are higher and we need to meet the moment. And so I'm proud of Activision Blizzard, Infinity Award, our guys at Treyarch as well for realizing that, hey, in our own world, we can do what we can do. And I'd ask us all, right, if we can do our own little steps in our own world, that is all the change we need, right? If we all take a few steps forward, we're gonna really uh, progress this conversation. So I'm encouraged by this conversation, encouraged by what we're doing in our own industry. Um, but I do think creating this safe space as, as leaders to be vulnerable, to allow others to step up um, and ask and advocate, um, I think is, is a really powerful step. So thank Dan, I, I have to run. So I, ju I just wanted to say quickly, thank you for this platform. We're actually hosting, um, Ad Colors hosting a Latinx and Asians for Ad Color platform where we discuss uh, this very topic. Um, but I would just um, end on saying that in some cases, at least um, in my role as both within Omnicom and through Ad Color, um, Lena Waithe famously said um, at a conference, a makers conference, sometimes um, our best allies and advocates sometimes need to get out the way um, and let those that have been doing the work and who are doing the work um, do it more. Uh, stand beside them, behind them, um, but don't get in their way. Because um, a lot of the programs and a lot of the initiatives and a lot of the um, steps that we've made forward sometimes are met with resistance and headwinds. And I think some of the best things that you can do is remove those headwinds, remove that resistance, and let those like Victoria, myself, chief diversity officers, directors, uh, move forward. You hired us for a reason. And across the network, you know, when I started in... 2009, there were only, uh, at my count, three diversity officers in, officers in the entire advertising industry. Since then, there are quite a bit more. Um, but my advice would be, um, on behalf of my colleagues who do this work, 
um, you know, get out the way and support them and help them move forward. Um, so I love all of you. This has been amazing. Um, thank you, Katrina, Danny, Nadine, um, and the Adweek family. Um, Monique, I mean, I can go just the list. It's crazy. It's like the family. Um, I love you all. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tiffany. Have a good weekend. Thank you. Okay. Lincoln, I'm going to pass it to you next. Well, so, you know, in terms of leading our team, so our, my team is basically made up of the alumni that have come through our, our training program that we do every summer and now in other parts of the parts of the year. So what I've been doing a lot of is really listening, listening to how they're feeling, having individual calls, really trying to understand because I'm not, I'm in a place where most of the week, this is my office. Um, and so I don't really get to experience what they're experiencing, but with empathy, I can feel what they're experiencing. Uh, and when I was one of the only black people at, at the same agency that Jabari started his career and I remember what that was. Um, so just hearing and in hearing them, uh, I'm trying to understand what they want now. And part of it uh, is time. Uh, I was excited to see my pastor, um, T.D. Jakes, talking to Gail King the other day. And he said, uh, we're, we're healing. We're healing right now. So how can you ask someone if they're finished healing while they're still bleeding? They're on the operation table open and they're still bleeding. And we've been on the operation table for a long time. Programs like ours have, have existed for years in our industry. And so, you know, we keep on saying, well, is that, is that the cancer or is, is it, we keep on trying to figure out where it is when we, we're saying, no, it's exactly right there. Um, and, and, and we need to point to those things. We need to point to the, the disparity of brands uh, giving dollars to agencies like Uniworld Group. I remember Alicia and I worked at Agency Carolix Williams together. The, 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 the difference between budgets that, that brands are giving to black people. So now we're seeing brands saying, hey, I'm gonna instill some of the programs we used to do, but why'd you stop them in the first place? Uh, black Enterprise used to put out a list of the top uh, 100 black owned ad, ad agencies and you could see the billing it started it was like 600 million on down not even enough uh, agencies to even have a list anymore we're still on the operating table um, we have no enforcement for those things we're still on the operating table um, you know part of this is really economics right it's definitely how we feel in places uh, but part of it is our economy there's disparities. I, I would encourage every agency to pull all of your numbers of, of, of um, your, the compensation floor of your employees and make sure that it's equal. I know some of our alumni, they're not getting equal pay and they know it. I, I wish that I could put up the screen showing you where all of our alumni are working because I challenge all of those companies to pull up, to uh, make sure that they are doing everything that they can to ensure that uh, the folks that are working in their companies are, um, are retained and are, and, are, and are moving through the ranks uh, in a way and that they, ha and they have a true voice. Because again, we're still on the operating table and we'll be here for a little while. So after we finish fixing what's wrong, after we remove the cancer, 
after we sew everything back up, then we can heal. Right now we're on the operating table. And while we're there, we have to, like um, uh, JD said, surround yourself with all different types of warriors because it's gonna take those warriors surrounding the patient, meaning black America, to make it through. Um, and so yeah, that's how my team is feeling and how I'm feeling. Thank you. And it passed over to Justina. Thank you. Um, as far as my team is concerned, I think we are all doing well. I check in with my team often and that started pre reckoning, if you will. Um, so there's no change in behavior uh, in that respect. You know, it runs the gamut from people on my team that are protesting, who are being very vocal on social media, and I try to be supportive of whatever means they need to express what's going on. Um, you know, so in that respect, I, I think we're good. I think it is important uh, in this forum to acknowledge that the Black experience is very nuanced. We are not a monolithic group. You don't just say Black and everybody is like, oh yeah, that happened to me or that's the same experience. It's not. It is very nuanced, it's very layered. Um, I think someone identified that we have privileged the fact that we're on this panel and I, I, I do need to acknowledge that we are in positions of power in organizations and so the way that we may approach these situations is very different from the average employee and so I would caution um, people in their approach the things that a person is able to ask me or able to ask Dan or able to ask Lincoln or Tiffany or Monique may not be the question that they want to ask a junior level employee. I'm, I, I want to take this moment to identify some things that I've seen happening. There are a lot of people who feel now that they need to reach out to their black employees. And while I applaud that, if you've never reached out to your black employees before, then it seems very disingenuous. And the response that you may get may not be so nice. There may be some that are happy and there, be, there may be others that are very upset. Um, and what you're going to encounter are all of the issues that they've ever had at the organization. And you better be, re you better be ready and better be prepared to accept, acknowledge, and then address the things that they've brought to the table. Another thing that I want to mention is this rush for every organization to project outwardly how much they love Black people, they're here for them, they see them, Black Lives Matter. While wonderful, if you are not addressing your internal staff, then again, this is disingenuous. Right, and this, this will create problems for you in your organization if you are outwardly supporting every organization that ever existed and you've got a black square on your Instagram or you know, this week you've decided that black lives matter, but internally the black lives that are hurting you've not addressed. I also want to say that black is not a bad word. There are people who've been very trepidatious in their emails to address their black colleagues or their black employees. Black is not a bad, bad word. Um, you know, and I, 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 I'm saying this on behalf of everybody, but you should ask, you know, you should ask around, um, ask your people, black is not a bad word. And so we should, we should not, we should not shy away from it. Um, for me personally, I've been involved in a lot of conversations. I'm helping to craft emails. I'm asked, I'm being asked the difficult questions. Um, and, and I'm actually enjoying the conversations, 
But I challenge also common sense. Like just because it's a black thing doesn't mean it's not a human thing. And so I often challenge people to say, well, what would you expect for yourself as a white man who is insert whatever here, right? We need to address things as humans. And I think if, if, we, had, if we start with that, we're, we're gonna get to a much better place and stop starting from the place of like, well, this is a black thing. This is a human thing. And if you, if you address problems as, as, as you would want them to be addressed for you, we are gonna be leaps and bounds ahead of where we are. Thank you. Thank you. I wanna pass it, uh, the mic over to Adrian um, to share a bit about uh, your team and also you know, continue talking about what everyone can do to accelerate change. Sure, yeah, thank you. We might have lost Adrian. Okay, we'll give him a second to come back. Uh, Rodney, I, I was gonna ask you as well to, to share on uh, how we can accelerate change. So maybe I'll pass it to you. Yeah, so uh, I, the role I'm in is a little bit um, uh, anomalous in that my team is basically in Poland. So I, I run a, a vodka brand and we produce uh, in, in Poland. So, so 90% of the employees are there. This, the corporate offices are here in New York. So I happen to share those with the rest of the organization. So we're too happy. On the international front, like I was saying earlier, a lot of people who haven't really spent <clears throat> significant time in the U.S. Um, don't really understand uh, culturally uh, America and are shocked by what has happened. Um, and it is not that Poland or France or anywhere else is that much more progressive, but it is that their image of the U.S. and what this country is about um, runs counter to uh, what, is, what is being captured now in the news. And as somebody mentioned, because of COVID, and cannot be uh, avoided. So there is momentum to be harnessed from uh, people who are allies, who are interested in um, being counted as voices to say, this is not okay. This is not okay to be a part of a normative frame and didn't realize that it was. Uh, and then in conjunction with, uh, you know, the U.S. Uh, context uh, and, the, and the U.S. team, um, I think I think it's a real challenge in the industry, and Adrian can speak to this, you know, as well that, that we're in, in that the, the distributor community, uh, the retail community uh, is sort of on the back tail of progressive, uh, progressive change. And, you know, it gets back to, to what you were saying earlier, uh, Victoria, that I think individually, each of us have to find our way in terms of how best to apply um, our own energies uh, uh, on a day-to-day -day basis in terms, of, uh, in terms of handling this. What I'm trying to do is that uh, through our mentoring program, we, we have one set up with Thurgood Marshall Fund and through uh, uh, Boys and Girls Clubs, we are, we are trying to work to encourage 
uh, and, and support the younger people who are coming up behind me um, so that they have a sense of balance, a sense of support, and a sense of, of course forward. But on the, on the educational front, I think it's very much a personal thing in terms of how we use our energies. And Justina is right. We're, the positions we're in are a little bit unusual, perhaps maybe, or different from some members of, of, of the audience. But I think it's critical that while we do what we can, we do not let ourselves get burned out and, and overwhelmed at the, at the same time. Thank you. I'm really ready to go next. Hey, yeah. Um, so to the question about how we're leading our teams right now. So I'm, I'm doubling down on, on being vulnerable right now, right? I'm letting folks know I'm, I'm not good. I'm not in a good place. Uh, and because the reason why it's important is folks got to understand that when you're not in a good place, it, it's tough to show up and, uh, and, and live your, your best corporate life, live your best life life. And, and folks need to understand that um, so that they can, they can um, adjust accordingly, right? Um, the other piece is I'm leading with, with, with more empathy right now. I'm to kind of getting back to what Jabari was saying, when people are coming to you or coming to me and I'm, maybe I'm a little tired and I don't want to actually talk about it, I'm putting myself in their shoes. I'm trying to see where they're coming from to channel, to go deep into that reservoir and, and channel that energy so that I, all right, let, let's have this conversation. Let me hear this, this question. Let, let's have this, let's, let's talk about it. Let's figure something out here. And then the other thing that I'm really double, uh, tapping into is I'm trying to make sure that I'm leading with boldness, right? Making sure that I am not bashful about, um, about these matters that we're talking about here today, that I'm not bashful about talking about the state of the black employees of the Jacksonville Jaguars and putting that out there for the entire company to, to see and, and really understand. Earlier this week, we had a town hall. And um, you know, as, as a part of it, I, I shared from, uh, from my personal experience. I let everybody know how the things that are going on in America today are triggering, right? You know, that I, I'm, things are coming up from back when I was in fourth grade. And, and my mom, we, we moved from the inner city of Houston, Texas, and we moved to the suburbs. And uh, I remember playing in, in, my, in the driveway and, and a, a white truck with a green stripe comes barreling around the corner with three white kids in it. And they, they try to actually hit me with the door. And then as they burned off, they yelled nigger at me. I'm seeing stuff on TV right now that brings those same things back from 30 some odd years ago. That's not cool, right? And when I share that with, with, with the, the organization and then I transition from that and I share some of the, the challenges that our black employees are facing and some of the things that they're feeling right now and today, and we, we, we illuminate that for our colleagues. I didn't know. I didn't know that this person that sits five feet from me felt that way, right? And now what's happened since, that, since we, were, we were vulnerable, since we were bold with our voice, Earlier today, literally just two hours ago, I was in a march led by our players, walking down the streets of downtown Jacksonville, the entire organization, Black Lives Matter. If you had asked me if this could have happened a week ago, I would have been like, ah, but it happened today, right? That is a first step towards the direction that we need to be going in, right? Now I'm gonna to get to the accelerated systemic change piece, right? Because it's connected. So two pieces. One, 
I would say to my white friends, I would say, I'm just gonna echo what Tiffany said, keep that same energy, right? If you're just now finding your activism land legs today, and if your compassion capacity is starting to increase today, keep that same energy. Don't back off of it. Don't treat it like a marketing initiative that you ramp up to and then you, you move away from. This is not about Black History Month. This is not about Juneteenth. This is, you gotta keep this thing consistent throughout if you're ever gonna try to get to greatness. LeBron isn't great because he dunked the basketball once. LeBron is great because he's consistent at the things that he does over time. So to my white friends, keep that same energy, be consistent. Now I got a challenge to my black friends, my warriors, right? Uh, be the innovative force that you are. Make sure your voice is heard. Like in our voices lie innovation. Why? Because we come from a different point of view, oh, many of us. And that different point of view, when you juxtapose it against an existing problem, that's innovation. I'm not talking about invention. I'm talking about innovation. So step into that innovative voice that you have, right? Marry that with some consistency as well. And that should prayerfully get us to a really awesome place. I actually have to go because we've got another town hall that I'm actually 10 minutes away from being a part of right now because we're serious and we're committed to helping drive some systemic change over down here in Jacksonville. So I really appreciate the time. Love you all. I got so much energy from you guys. We're going we to keep this thing going. Thank you, Julian. Awesome. So we've got 10 minutes left um, and the Q&A window has been on fire. So I want to transition to some Q&A and, and say to everyone um, in the audience, we're going to take a couple of these questions uh, right now. And the team at Adweek is going to be working on getting answers um, to everyone. So give me just one second. All right. Our first question. In these times, how do you navigate being black, working at a predominantly white company, trying to address the issue at work, at, sorry, working at a predominantly white company who is trying to address the issue but may not be doing a good job of it? I could jump in. You have to be bold and unafraid. And you have to accept the responsibility and opportunity to do this work. It is not easy. It is terrifying most of the time. Um, and we've been quoting James Baldwin a lot, you are enraged most of the time, sometimes all of the time. But it's finding your voice, finding your allies, I think in this work is critical in these spaces where you are often alone. Um, and empowering that ally voice to speak up, finally to say something um, and give grace and the opportunity to ask the dumb questions, if we, as we said, or ask you questions that you feel are common sense. Um, and, and breathe, give them the answer, the words they need, and, and let them go forth so that you are not the only one doing this work, because we cannot be. This responsibility is everybody's, uh, and, and no longer can you complain about what you don't like if you haven't said anything. So I think if you have to use your voice and be unafraid, and you do have to assume there could be consequences. I'm not going to paint the picture that you'll speak up and you'll be heard. You may not be. You may repeat it over and over and there could be other consequences. But again, I think here today, the risk is worth the reward. Can I just, um, I think just a plus one on the vulnerability. No one's saying it's easy to Victoria's point, but the first time is the hardest. 
the first time is the hardest. And once you do it, you, the freedom you'll feel to start speaking up, even if just one person hears you and then another person hears you and then, in a, and then you'll get to a place like all of us where you can feel very confident to be bold. Um, the goal here is for there not to be more first times, right? That, that even brands, they need to be vulnerable and they need to think about how can this not be the first time I speak up about all of the issues that I, that I care about, that I supposedly care about. Um, so just try to get over that, that leap, that hump that first time. It'll get easier. It's not easy. And I'll, I'll add, unfortunately, oh, sorry. I'll Go add ahead. to your point. Your first time is not the first time because we've all been through this. Um, and so what I am asking you, those who are on this right uh, call with us, to reach out to us and others um, because even all of us are looking to each other for support and strength um, because these are unprecedented times and no one here is an expert at how to navigate blackness or our own pain um, or the ebbs and flows of corporate America when there are a lot of other conversations to be had and a lot of money in the line sometimes for the wrong move. Um, and I agree with Victoria, you have to be bold, you have to be brave, uh, but you do not have to do it alone. Uh, so reach out to us um, because we're in this together. No one's alone. Just because you're in your own company, you may be the only one in your own company. There's a lot of only ones and together we are pretty great. Um, so just please reach out to us. The beauty of these resources that we have with LinkedIn and others I mean, I, was lo I love the fact that I was actually already connected to many of you. Like we were all, we are already connected before this happened. And that to me is a powerful, powerful resource. And that to me is I think why networking matters. Um, oftentimes young professionals don't realize why networking matters, why you wanna go out or connect or say yes to a moment or a conversation. These are the times because the stronger your web, the stronger your warrior group, the more I think strength you will be able to get from that group and the less vulnerable you'll be in these moments. So. We're here for you and we're here with you. The only one quick build I wanted to add, because I completely agree with the three that just spoke, is also be specific when you're going for something so that you know you can really show an outcome. Because when you when you work in a community that is hostile, it, it you can be overwhelmed <laughs> because everywhere you look, there needs to be changed. So so pick your battles. And, and pick one where you can you can be specific about what outcomes you're you're driving towards. To exist uh, in white spaces is to exist in America. So that's the norm. That is not foreign to anybody on this panel. Um, so we just exist as 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 though we exist today. I think the challenge of answering questions is what everybody talked about, is to be honest, to offer grace, um, but also to educate. And, and, and for me, with the conversations that I'm having, I also ask for grace on the other side. You're gonna hear some things that you don't like or that make you feel uncomfortable. Get comfortable with that. This is not a, a, this is not a comfortable conversation for black people because we're talking about black issues. It's not, it's not comfortable for anybody. So we need to set the tone and acknowledge that. We also need to understand that my experience is my experience as a black person. But again, I have to say this, we're not a monolith and I'm not a black spurt. I don't have all of the answers for all black people. For me, I oftentimes have to, I have to refer people to HR and DNI. Those are people who are hired specifically 
to address a lot of the issues that people just, well, I'm going to ask the black person, start with your HR and start with your DNI. And to any of the leaders that are watching today, you know, Tiffany talked about it, Victoria's addressed it, it's been, it's been inferred in, in, in many of the statements that have been made, but shame on you if you're only calling on your DNI representative today because there's a crisis. They need to have a seat at the table, they need to have a voice every single day, not only when there's a crisis, shame on you. And you need to acknowledge and, 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 and reflect in yourself, why am I only speaking to DNI today? DNI matters every single day, not just because there's there's a reckoning, right? So, so for me, I'm definitely having those bold conversations. I refer them right to DNI. Have you spoken to DNI? You should probably speak to them before you speak to me, because you know I'm going to give you a little bit of Tupac and Ice Cube, and you know maybe some things that you're not ready. You should probably speak to DNI because my delivery and my message it may not be palatable for the workplace. Start with DNI. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to transition. I think we've got just a couple of minutes for one more question. Um, here it is. I see a lot of celebrities and influencers. Give me one second. I just talked that. I see a lot of celebrities and influencers taking a stand in this fight. However, they're encouraging their followers who do not agree with our fight to unfollow them. Doesn't that work against us as the non-followers won't hear important messages? How do we enroll non-supporters without losing their attention? That's a hard one, right? I think, you know, there's a challenge right now around, is it effective? Are you just taking a, a shot? You know, no, don't let a good crisis go to waste. Um, there's a lot of that. Um, but this is a time when, honestly, the people that are with us, just get with us, right? Educate yourself surround yourself with you know information and people that matter i've talked to so many people this week that basically have said i know now more than i knew before and i'm ready to rock i'm ready to go with you to pick a fight is you know probably not very productive in this moment and we want to really make sure that we're pointing everyone in a productive because you know um vision, it's not going to be about, you know, there's, there's friction already, right? The friction is here. The friction has been here. And now it's a matter of dis dismantling that friction and allowing the space, the heart space, the head space, um, the ability for us to look at this from a, somebody made this up. We can recreate this the right way if we so choose, but it's going to take only the positive energy. The friction has to come from breaking down what's wrong, right? We've heard people talk about the pain from their childhood. I think we could all probably tell a few of those stories, but it is a matter of we did get through it, we got over it, and we brought someone along. I have a philosophy of, you know, each one teach one, a, a plus one scenario. If we bring one person along, we're better. And we know that complex problems, need diverse viewpoints to solve. We've got, we've got research, we've got you know, many papers that talk about this is scientific. The other thing that's scientific is that behavior is learned, mm -hmm. which ultimately means we can retrain ourselves, our brains, and everyone around us 
to do this the right way. So celebrity, no celebrity. They're human. They're not, you know, at the end of the day, we've got to tackle this as a unified situation. And whoever can touch someone, we want them to touch them with the right information. So those chasing numbers and, you know, chasing the followers, let's, let's not go there. Let's talk about effectiveness. I'll, I'll take five people that are ready to do the right thing right now. I don't need 500 to do the wrong. Thank you, Monique. So we're going to keep going for a few more minutes. I think we've got more to say and, and we're going to answer, keep answering this question in the next one. I want to thank Rodney uh, and, and uh, any of our other panelists who do have to jump, but, but let's keep going. I would add one thing to what Monique said. I love and completely agree, but I go back to this message of giving grace. Right now, we are all hurting. This is a very charged conversation that many do not have experience dealing. Most of us don't, right, at this level. And so again, I give grace because they are still human. As she said, uh, they're still in their feelings. Many of us are still sitting in how we feel, still processing how we feel. And so I just continue that message of giving grace to everybody in it. Um, but at some point, we have to come together because at the end, we all want the same thing, which is a solution, right? We all need these moments to pause and pivot what we're doing. Um, I actually have had a very emotional week as many of us have, but one moment that keeps showing me that glimmer of hope is, you know, it is Pride Month and many have paused those conversations. And our LGBTQ ERG came to our, you know, us as DNI leaders and said, hey, you know, we think we should postpone, what should we do? And we had the pause and pivot conversation and we had good dialogue about how to stand in solidarity and acknowledge what is going on. And for the first time ever, we raised the Philly version of the pride flag on our campus to show that we stand and that we're having those conversations and that the true message around pride, when you think about how it started, right, is still this fight for equality, which we all are a part of, right? And so I just, those were the moments for me this week that gives me the energy, one, to know I'm right where I'm supposed to be, and two, that while we are not where we want to be, we are making the progress to get there um, and having the patience to push and pull and when to pause and when to push again, right? And then refuel with, with groups like this to keep that energy going uh, and not give up. And then the moments that you see the work you've done start to pay off or rise up in moments like this, it, it is so encouraging. You know, is it enough? No, because if it was, we wouldn't still be doing this, right? but we're gonna get there and I have to be hopeful um, or I have nothing else to, to keep pushing for. So I love these conversations and the questions that are coming in. Thank you. Can I add something, Katrina, quickly to this? Yeah. Before we move on? Um, I love the point about giving grace. Um, and what candidly I didn't think about during this process because I'm reflecting on my own personal pain and I have a community, we talked about it, and we actually almost took for granted that we have warriors with us. What that actually means is that we have tons of like-minded people in our phones, in our lives, that are about that life. <laughs> and a lot of my colleagues and some of the younger staff that we had on our teams um, were revealing and sharing in our own town hall. And again, what didn't cross my mind at all, because I have a multi-generational right? Kind of warrior clan that I come from. So we all are about that life, but they don't. And for them to be, to your point, 
courageous enough to step out and to support and to march and to walk and to ask the questions and to engage in this conversation, they're actually disconnecting sometimes from their own communities, their own parents. If you're 26, 27, 30, you know, even a 30 year old, you know, uh, young white male, female of any race or ethnicity, and you're literally surrounding communities, do not, right? When you go for Thanksgiving, you go home for a holiday, or you're actually home right now because of COVID, and no one in your family is about that life, but you are. That is a courageous, but also very, very lonely place to be. And no one's built that way to sustain that. And they never actually had the history that we have of dealing with this. So there was an awakening there. And while you want to have Right. Um, you know, the empathy, you want, you want to make sure that they understand that they're not alone either, um, because that's really important. And so creating this safe space for us is also think something that we should be thinking about is actually creating a generational safe space for a lot of those folks that don't look like us that are marching as well, because they're having a generational conversation in their own world that um, we don't even really think about. Um, but I think is a, is a pretty powerful moment of courage for them to actually stand in solidarity with this, because um, we can't take that for granted either, because it will take a lot of us. Um, not just some of us, uh, to win this fight. So thank you for those who are standing with us, especially young folk. I understand what you're going through and we, we're proud of you. Um, and you're not alone either. Thank you. Okay, I'm gonna share the last question for us today, um, which is, as a person who firmly believes in reaching back and uplifting others, how do you stay positive and, and energized when there are people of color in leadership roles who aren't doing the same and aren't using their seat at the table to help others? I'll jump in. Uh, I think you continue to uplift them, encourage them and push them because sometimes you don't know the struggles they have. You don't know the double-mindedness uh, and the roles that they have to play to have gotten maybe where they are and quite frankly, stay where they are. It is a struggle. Um, and so I know I use my voice to encourage those around me that look like me and not just at the top, right? Throughout the whole organization. Um, people often ask, well, I'm just this role or I'm just at this level. You have a voice. You need to press. And, you know, honestly, that's how I got here. I just started speaking up because I was tired. And eventually, some of those allies heard me, specifically white males, would hear me, start to champion me and speak on my behalf in spaces I wasn't even in yet. And so, again, it's just, you know, finding those allies. We all have them, encouraging them to speak up. And then if there are black leaders that you feel that aren't speaking up, talk to them, encourage them. Don't, you know, it's, it's quick to criticize them. I get it because you're tired and frustrated and you want them to do more. But until you've walked in their shoes, you may have no idea. And so, you know, I try to uplift, encourage. I still push. Uh, I use phrases like corporate activism. I, you know, sometimes you don't use the right PR messaging, but you need to be truthful and honest and, and try to relate to where they are. And if you can't talk to them, but I think, you know, you need to continue to encourage them because someone needs to give them the power to use their seat, right? There's no use of having it if you're not gonna use it. So encourage them while they're there. I'd like to add that uh, title does not equal power. Um, oftentimes you see people in uh, C-suite positions or very high ranking positions but they have absolutely no power. And so I think it's important to recognize that. And when we talk about grace, we should definitely talk about grace as it relates to black leaders, especially if they are one of, especially if they have to sit in uh, conference rooms or meetings where there are 20 white men and one black woman. 
there is only so much that that person can do. And so I think to echo on what Victoria has said, the onus is on all of us, all of us. It does it irrespective of, of position. Yes, I can reach back and pull up. But again, if you have no power, it means nothing. I can give you whatever title I want, but if you have no power, it doesn't mean anything. I also like to act, add that, you know, in some instances, people in position of power, in positions of power are a result of tokenism. So we have to acknowledge that all skin folk and kin folk. And I mean, that's a, for a whole, that's for a whole other conversation, but you got to look at yourself in the same way for all of the discussion that we're having. It's like, look to yourself, look to yourself. What can I do? What can I do better? How can I galvanize the people around me? How can I galvanize the people at my level? What is the email that I can send? Who else can I speak to? The person that you speak to doesn't necessarily have to look like you. They don't have to come from where you come from. They don't have to eat what you eat. They don't have to hang out where you hang out. We have to change the paradigm of how this shift should happen. When we look at what's happening outside, the protesters don't all look the same. They're not all from the same cities. So I think we, get the, we got to look to what's happening outside and bring some of that energy inside. Yeah, I'll just say too. Um, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, my friend. I, I will say this is a slow burn. You know, this isn't, this isn't happening overnight. And I think especially in the quick, um, the quick culture we are now, we expect to speak up and the whole system has changed. The whole corporate structure has evolved. And that, that's not the game we're playing here. Um, we've been at this for a long time, like I said before, and, and a conversation, pushing them one way, you know, the email here, the email, that's what builds up. That's how we got to where we are today. And that's how we'll see significant change in the future. And, and just committing to that, and unfortunately, incremental change, you know, committing to that slow burn and knowing that over time, your efforts might change that person's mind eventually. Um, but that's not on you. You're, it, what's on you is to stay committed and stay in your truth and stay in your fight and hope that they come around eventually. But it can be little things here and there. You just, you can't expect things to change overnight. This is something that Lincoln's son, right, will experience in its greatness. Um, but honestly, in our lifetime, I, I hope that there's significant change, but we're here for the long haul. And you got to know that. Yeah, and I would add, that, uh, that was really good. I would add, to that, make sure that if, if that individual is in a place and if, if you know they're having challenges or you think they're having challenges, it does not behoove us to pull each other down. So try to have a personal conversation. Um, I think Justina, it was to your point, you don't, um, you don't know what someone's going through. So try to approach them if, if they're able to be approached and have that conversation it does not behoove us, especially in this moment, to tear each other down, only to, to build each other up. There's something that uh, I've shared with a lot of our alumni at times and, and friends, and I want to say this, and then I want to ask Katrina how you're doing, because you've, you've just led us. So, so to Victoria's point about grace, you've led us, and I know that you probably have a couple of things to say, but um, there's a story about four people everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. 
everybody thought that anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have. So which one of those four people are you at, at, on which day? But make sure that you don't end up recognizing your own power that lies in you to be able to, to do the job. Start small, start in your own way. If there's a roadblock, pray for, if you pray for them hard enough that they will be moved away. So anyhow, Katrina, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, thank you for thank you for asking. Now I'm uh, I've been so focused on just this conversation. Um, you know, it's been uh, quite quite an experience, quite a week, very emotional. I think what has given me hope um, is how many calls I've been on this week, and I think you you've all spoken about this as well. Where it is everyone, it's the full team listening to the experiences that their black colleagues are having, have had, and really being present and sitting together. And that is giving me a lot of hope and comfort. Um, so thank you for asking that question. Um, Katrina, sorry, I just wanna say one thing. I, I, it's, it's been weighing on me and I wanted to find the right moment. And I think it lends itself to the last question that was asked. Um, people, expected Obama to solve all black issues. He was one man <laughs> surrounded by many people that didn't look like him and he did a lot for us. And now he's gone and we, we have what we have and people are calling on him to solve our problems again. When he was in office, people were complaining, he's not doing enough. Now we got something else that's not so nice and our expectation is that he's still going to solve our problem. That is the plight of black people everywhere. Everywhere. Is that even when it's not your job, you are called upon. And even when it's not your job, you show up. President Obama tried to calm everybody down. He held a forum for all of us to understand, to give us tools. It is not his job. So I just want, as we're talking about this and as we're thinking about us, to recognize the pressure that we put on ourselves, that we put on other black people, we've got to stop. We've got to take it to the people whose job it is. So even in this conversation, and there's a lot of questions that get asked of us, or you know, I see some things in the feed like, well, what's happening at your company? Or I know that this isn't happening at your company. You're probably right. I want you to keep that same energy and take that to the CEO. I want you to take that to the board. I want you to talk to everybody. So to, to, to go back to the analogy about everybody, somebody, it's not only us. It's not just the one lone black person. It is everybody. We need to hold everybody accountable. Thank you, Katrina. Thank you, Justina. So uh, it's uh, 1.45. So I think uh, what I want to say is thank you to all of you for your words today. Um, thank you to everyone who has uh, listened in and, and stayed with us. I have been so moved by um, your leadership, no matter the exhaustion, leading openly and with empathy and with love. So, so thank you. I'm wishing everyone a restful weekend and let's keep up the same energy.
Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.